Hello and welcome back to another mostly sunny episode of Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. My name is Stephanie Brimhall and I am the Education Manager here with the Kansas City Symphony. I'm Jason Sieber. I'm the Associate Conductor. And I'm Mike Gordon, Principal Flute of the Kansas City Symphony. Well, here at the Kansas City Symphony, we are fortunate to team up often with many wonderful people from the community. It's a perfect storm of singers, actors, dancers, athletes, mascots, you name it. We often put these people in high-pressure situations, and they always deliver with lightning-hot performances. That's right, Mike. And one of our favorite collaborators is a tsunami of talent and personality, Whenever he takes the stage, there's no fog about it. I'm not putting on a front here, people. There is a high probability that the forecast of his performance will be accurate, turbulent but stable, and create a heat wave of the highest magnitude. I think all these weather puns might precipitate a guess or two (laughs) on whom our guest today might be. I'm talking, of course, about Kansas City's favorite chief meteorologist, KMBC's Brian Busby. Welcome to the show, Brian. <laughs> wow. I did not realize you could cram that many weather sayings in one sentence and still have it make sense. I was impressed. All right. Hey, is that the best introduction you've ever had? <laughs> one of the longest. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, probably one of the best. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Good, good. <laughs> So Jason is the king of dad jokes. I think we've all established that here on this podcast. So well, (laughs) well done. Um, So what many of you may not know about Brian is he is, of course, one of our favorite meteorologists here in town. And he's also one of our favorite percussionists here in town Mm -hmm. as well. So Brian, you are a timpanist. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, and and we've had the the great fortune of working with you um, on several of our educational concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done several weather themed concerts, which have been uh, a really fun experience. There are, of course, lots of tie-ins between uh, weather and uh, thematic music that's written about weather. There's lots of stuff about thunderstorms and sunrises and. Uh, wind and clouds and and all of that. And we've had a really fun time getting to work with Brian, um, both as a host, but also as a a step-in timpanist on a few pieces as well. Mm -hmm. One of the things I I will tell you about Brian is that when he comes to work with us, he's incredibly professional. He He always shows up very prepared. He also comes with a very extensive rider. Um, <laughs> it rivals those of Mariah Carey and Madonna on all of the things that he must have in order to do a performance with with us. And I will tell you that I don't have it right in front of me right now, which, which makes me sad, but I will remember that... Um, I will preface this by saying it is a joke rider. <laughs> but, but several of the things include... Um, providing a copy of the United States Constitution in mm. Yiddish, Ooh. which I will tell you I delivered on yeah. and provided that. He also asked for only, was it green starbursts? Yes, which they don't make. I actually do have the entire rider if you want to <laughs> Oh, you it. do? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> what else is on there? Okay, number one, three dozen blueberry muffins with flaxseed and kale. Mm, oh. oh. Number Ooh. two... One life-size inflatable matador and bull. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, an electric walk with an eight-foot 
industrial grade extension cord. Whoa. <laughs> Number four, 12 pairs of moose antlers affixed to bicycle helmets. Wow. <laughs> Number five, green starbursts only, which they don't make, by the way. Oh, but hang on. Hang on. Hmm. I will have you know, you Uh-oh. you need to remember this. I provided you with green starbursts because you did. I were, found they were, they were them. They the sours, right? They were the sours and they were in like an Easter mix of pastels. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you do deliver on that. Number six, the entire U.S. Constitution translated in Yiddish and Dutch for the entire crew and cast, 17 copies minimum. (laughs) Number seven, an umpire's chest protector and paper mache skyline of Copenhagen, one to 15 scale or better. (laughs) You did come up with that. There was a piece of paper that had Copenhagen skyline. Uh, number eight, a trained pelican on a five-foot leash with assorted croquet mallets and wickets. <laughs> number nine, a lump of coal from Boiler 8 of Titanic. Not two, oh not seven, Boiler 8. <laughs> and the last one, you're liking this, aren't you? <laughs> oh. Tim's loving it. Mike's loving oh, it. Man. Jason's loving it. Number 10, yeah. a key to the country of Belize on a chain around the neck of a live yodeling monkey. Oh, my goodness. No wonder I hear monkeys every time you do a show with us. That explains it. It's coming from his dressing room. He's got the key to Belize. You know, you just got to gotta deal. And Stephanie. Oh, wow. Stephanie, didn't you tell me that you played a trick on the lady who was in the accounting department telling her that she she had to, like, come off her vacation to... to uh, oh, yes. It was our yeah. artist's... Um, our artists, Liaison. Um, yeah. Yeah. Our manager of artists... Relations and she she was going to be on vacation or something and she wasn't going to have to work the concert that you were mm-hmm. at and and I told her I was like listen I think we, you might have to come in because there are so many demands on this I just don't think I can do it all by myself <laughs> she got very serious she was like oh well I can look into rescheduling and we can get a different flight and you know. <laughs> oh <laughs> no I'm just kidding Kate. You know, all the times that uh, you've done shows with us, I I had no idea there was this uh, uh, good humor and fake drama going on behind the (laughs) scenes. You know, you just, I I come in in the morning and I sit down and the kids cheer and then you come out and you do a wonderful show and you have your your weather map uh, sneakers and everything. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to get to talk to you today because we've shared the stage uh, many times and never had a chance to chat. But I think your life and your career are so fascinating because, you know, music has been with you forever, right? Yes. And, uh, and at some point you made your way to meteorology. So talk a little bit about, about your life uh, first as a musician and then how... How that led you to this other, uh, this other career, this other passion, and how you you still follow both of them? Okay, well, um, I had parents who, like most of our parents, at least tried to expose you to music, and so I remember having a collection of records that had like the best ballet music and best overtures that mom and dad got. I forgot from where, maybe since Encyclopedia Britannica or something like that. It was like twelve records of classical music. And they bought a piano for my brother and me. And so I started playing piano when I was about eight. So that was my first instrument. Then, of course, when you get to elementary school, third grade, the music teacher plays all the extra instruments that aren't covered on piano. So you can't play piano in school orchestra. So I had to go to an instrument. And my first choice was actually clarinet. But all the clarinets were taken. 
Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that happens. Um, and all the clarinets were taken, popular instruments. So then I went to trumpet. And that was my first instrument in school band in third grade. So I played piano and I played trumpet. My forward-thinking parents decided to get braces on my teeth, so there went the embouchure. <laughs> and uh, so I had to still want to play in music in seventh grade and eighth grade. And because of my keyboard background, I went to glockenspiel. So I went to the percussion section first on mallet. And then Mr. Morse was the band teacher, and there's this one piece that was an arrangement for fireworks music that had timpani and glockenspiel. Timpani and bells is what it said. And that was the uh, piece that was in my folder, and I had no idea what timpani were. And he said, you see those things underneath those brown covers in the corner? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he said, yes. And so he gave me the uh, book uh, written by uh, Ludwig, you know, the introduction to timpani. And so I, after the braces came off, I just never left. And hmm. I should mention, I also have that nasty curse or blessing, depending on how you want to say it. I have perfect pitch, which is good for a timpanist. Hmm. And people think that perfect pitch is a great thing to have, unless you're listening to an elementary school choir sing Silent Night. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep in heavenly peace. And they never quite get there, you know? <laughs> So I just stayed with percussion after the braces came off, and so I was toying between the, the percussion or, or, or weather, and I should back up in third grade. I just remember my first tornado watch, and they don't happen in Cleveland, Ohio that often. And uh, I was scared, like most kids are when they're out on 4th of July and they hear fireworks, they cover their ears. And most kids don't like thunder, so I was petrified of thunderstorms. And so uh, my science teacher took me into the library, and we looked in the Dewey Decimal System, so you know how old I am, <laughs> and we put out some books on weather. And so I was torn between weather about in third grade and music in third grade. But, you know, Tim Jepson is the timpanist of the Kansas City Symphony. There's only mm -hmm. one job for a professional timpanist per city, whereas at least in broadcast meteorology, there are 18 of us who do what I do, whether it's weekends, mm. weekend mornings, evenings, weekend evenings. So my odds are at least better in my favor to get a job and be sustained and to be a union musician. So I get to have my cake and eat it too. So I just decided mm. I didn't have the chops to really, or the discipline to really get all the percussions under my belt and I know you guys have a, a great, phenomenal player now as the principal percussion. I forget his name. He and I just got on Facebook. Is it Josh? Josh. Josh, Josh. Josh. Yeah. Jones. Yep. I can hardly wait to meet him, but I've seen some of yeah. his videos. He's incredible. My Lord. Yeah. He is. Definitely. Amazing guy, yeah. yeah. And I just didn't have those kind of chops because you would hear those guys in the practice room doing the tambourine excerpts, and one kid <laughs> would do the um, Porg and Bess uh, xylophone lick xylophone. in the overture mm -hmm. and play it, you know, tempo to tear butt. And I did not have that. And I did not have that discipline or that talent. So I decided I'll just do timpani. I'll play the hallelujah chorus in church at Easter and Christmas. Every once in a while, if they need, like, the timpani's number eight. As a matter of fact, you know, one of the fun things I did with the symphony many, many years ago was you guys did the um, Berlioz Requiem. And mm -hmm. I was one of the four timpanists that was hired for that. And it was amazing. Nice. It's an amazing piece of music. Nice. And my gosh. Uh, to try to get four timpanists to play in unison uh, was a challenge. But we all kind of looked at Tim in his preparation and go from there. So long story short, huh. they've both been part of my life, and I'm blessed to be able to do both in a city like Kansas City. 
That's great. That's great, Brian. And what is it about music that you love so much that even though you're a very busy meteorologist, I mean, that job is a very demanding job where you are constantly at the studio and constantly preparing. Um, you, you play timpani with the Kansas City Civic Orchestra. You play with many other uh, groups around town. You've mm-hmm. played with us, like you said. What is it that you love about music that is just makes it so there's no way you could give up that that aspect of your life? And also, has has being a meteorologist helped you as a musician or vice versa? Um, okay. I will answer the first part, you know, in that when you're on TV, I'm one of four people. You know, you have two anchors, you have a sports guy, and you have a weather person. Whereas mm-hmm. when you are on stage in an orchestra, in an ensemble, you're one of maybe 80. Mm-hmm. And uh, music is so universal that if we took Beethoven's Ninth and took it on the other side of the world and put it in front of a group, they're going to get a little nugget of themselves and give that to the performance. But it'll still be unique to the world because you're one of 80 people who is uh, keeping that that vision, that, that, that sound alive. Uh, so I get much more satisfaction being a contributing person in that regard as opposed to being on TV. And it's funny, like when I do play in the Civic or the Keenor Philharmonic or any other place, people will come up to me and ask me a weather question. And I really want to tell them, <laughs> no, I, I don't have that hat on. I'm a musician. Yeah. And so... Um, <laughs> I haven't looked at the app, you know, <laughs> I don't know what the weather's going to be like. I really do, when I'm not working at the station, I don't look at the weather. I really don't. And so for me, it's a diversion. And, and to hmm. hear um, what was going through Beethoven's mind when he thought of a thunderstorm and compare that to Rossini in the William Tell Overture and to compare that to Groffet when you hear, you know, Cloudburst. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just phenomenal. Or even the Four Seasons that it sounds like winter. When you hear it, it sounds like it just reminiscent for spring. It, oh, yeah. You can tell I'm getting wound up here. I'm getting a little verklempt. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. <laughs> Chickpeas, neither chick nor peas. Discuss. Um, so I miss me, that skit. Yeah, I do too. Uh, it, it, it's just, you're, you're, you're just so immersed. Music can hit you on so many different levels. So can weather. They're both universal. I don't think it's by accident that the total strangers can talk about the weather, you know, in an hmm. elevator they've never met before, but they can find commonality. Same thing with music. And hmm. to, to be able to discuss how Beethoven's Ninth affects you when you first hear it, as opposed to somebody else who's heard it or even performed it many times, it's common ground. It's just so phenomenal. It's so amazing. That's interesting. That's, I, yeah, I, you're right. It's, you could talk about the weather with anybody. I, that's just kind of what you go to. And I have never thought of it that way. And you're absolutely right. And the other part of the question, I guess, is that, you know, music is pretty mathematical. When you look at a Bach fugue or you listen to the Brandenburgs, it is so rhythmic and mathematical and precise and pristine. And in order to become a meteorologist, you have to take a lot of math. Calculus 1, Calculus 2, Calculus 3. So that part of my brain is always, uh, I guess, um, at the forefront of what I do for a living. Um, And so I I try to bring that same sort of discipline when I play. And, of course, being the timpanist, you know, uh, what have I heard other timpanists say? That you're pretty much the assistant conductor. Because if you're right with the stick, if you're right with the conductor then the rest of the ensemble needs to follow you because you can drive or slow down or speed up. 
Uh, so it's a pretty important position, and, and I enjoy being that contributing member of that ensemble. Mm, that's so true. You really, uh, you know, it's the same thing when you play a pops piece, the drum set player mm -hmm. becomes the, the assistant conductor, so to say. Actually, I feel like I just got a promotion because I'm the assistant or associate conductor, so I guess I got bumped up. If, if you take over that role, I'll, I'll take that. Either that or you got <laughs> um, replaced. One or the other, I can't well, tell. Yeah, probably replaced, actually. <laughs> probably replaced. I only conducted four measures of all sorts of Dr. Zarathustra, so no, you are not going to be replaced by me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Brian did get to conduct with us. That, yes. That's right. Yeah. I, I think do the remember kids, that. Yeah. The kids love, loved seeing that. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a yeah. fun bit. And you did look like you were put out that I was on on the uh, platform. On the Not podium. at all. I thought it was cool. I thought you were doing a great... You could have conducted the rest of the concert. I could have got, taken a coffee break. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell us about... Uh, you, you've, uh, of course, had an amazing career as a meteorologist, but you actually um, created a weather display system called the Instant Weather Network, which yeah. you had patented. Tell us about this invention uh, and how it has helped the world of meteorology. Oh, Wow. Um, you know, in the old days, uh, you would give the current conditions when you do a weather report up at the airport, and the weather's only taken once an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll say presently, and radio stations do it too, you know, when they give the forecast over the intro of a song. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to especially severe weather, you like to know what's happening almost minute to minute. Radar helps you for sure, but radar is only a color, and it, it's really tough to make sure... It's saying, okay, the winds are 85 miles an hour, but is there really 85 mile an hour winds in Lee Summit? Well, let's look at the Instant Weather Network stick that we have out there at John Knox Village. Um, so the Instant Weather Network was a network of weather stations that were robotic, that were able to use more than one um, protocol for, for transmitting the data back. You know, you could do uh, wire, in other words, a telephone line. You could do... Uh, cell phone, you could do two-way radio, and we were the first to actually begin to use all those different methods to mm. deliver the information back to the central computer, and the central computer could kind of parse it out and take all the data and put it on one map. Um, it was fun, though, to create, to, to be able to fill in the gaps, because not everybody, as George Carlin said, everybody doesn't live at the airport. And <laughs> so what we tried to do is put them at landmarks, because unless yeah. your child goes to Havencroft Elementary School, you have no idea where it is. But everybody knows, even if you don't live next to it, where Worlds of Fun is, where William Jewell College is, where Mid-American Nazarene University are. Yeah. And so we put them on landmarks, and they were just easy to, to discern. And people could make the uh, geographical references themselves and say, okay, well, if the winds just picked up to 57 miles an hour at Oak Park Mall, and I'm west of Oak Bar Mall, it already passed me by. Uh, it was a great tool. It was a great tool. Hmm. I think Super that's cool. so cool. And, you know, as a, as a, I'm not a native Midwesterner, so I'm from the Northeast. And uh, I remember when I first moved here, you know, you were talking about experiencing the unusual tornado as a kid uh, in Cleveland. And mm -hmm. same, of course, in Rhode Island, we don't get tornadoes or that kind of severe weather up there. Uh, so one of the, one of the first uh, months I was here, of course, you know, probably around this time of year, 
I uh, had a guy uh, visiting me, a friend who uh, used to work at the symphony, actually, Matt Henderson. And he was, uh, you probably met Matt at some point, Brian. Uh, mm-hmm. So he uh, he just started trying to freak me out on purpose <laughs> because we were getting some bad storms. And you know how they are. You can be on one side of the street and you're fine. And the other side of the street is leveled or gets hail or whatever. So I'm sitting there and I'm in this old house and it's rattly and the windows are gone. And I'm a little... I'm a little on edge. Like, did we go to the basement now? And there were no sirens and we're watching the TV. And so anyway, just the, the thought that, you know, now we actually have the ability to know, you know, much more precisely uh, where this weather is, particularly in a city like Kansas city, where we get these storms. I mean, I've, you know, I've talked to Jason or talked to Stephanie uh, and been like, you know, what's happening at your house? Oh, it's sunny. And, you know, Jason's house (laughs) is a deluge. So. Uh, that's a little different, though, between it, it, it's amazing what the river does, I feel like. Um, and maybe that's just in my head. But I feel like north of the river where Mike and I live, um, you know, like it, it could be ridiculous north of the river. And then you talk to your friends who live in Overland Park or, you know, south somewhere. And they're like, no, it's it's totally fine here. Is that an actual <laughs> thing? It, it's not really a thing. I think it is perception more than uh. anything else, believe it or not. That people say, well, it looks like the storm is following the river. Well, the Missouri River is oriented west to east, and most mm-hmm. weather moves west to east. So does it follow every contour and nook and cranny that the mm-hmm. river bends? No. But generally speaking, weather moves from west to east. As far as north and south of the river or north of the river, there are always going to be differences. I mean, how many times have we used our windshield wipers for two city blocks, nowhere else, and it's totally blue? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and that phenomena is caused by the clouds are a couple miles up, Okay. And the raindrop has to fall from that height. So the cloud keeps moving. It's cleared over that spot while the raindrop keeps falling. So Mm -hmm. it's already cleared out from the cloud that produced it, but it's already dropped like a parachutist. And it kept moving. The plane kept moving, but the parachutist is dropping out. So that's why it can be totally sunny and you still get rain on. You know, you were talking about um, both you and Mike talked about having a fear of storms. And Brian, you wrote a book from your perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Of uh, of a boy being afraid of storms and kind of overcoming that. You want to talk a little about that? Yeah, that was called Brian Bosby's Wonderful World of Weather, which is based on July 4th, 1969, when that was the day I remember the first tornado watch in, in Cleveland, Ohio. And It talks about how I was just petrified of thunderstorms. I took it upon myself to write the only meteorologist I knew who could answer the question, who was a guy I saw on TV by the name of Dick Goddard. And unfortunately, Mr. Goddard just passed away this summer from COVID. Mm. He was in a nursing Mm. home at 89 years old in Florida. But he answered my letter And it was he that talked me into going into meteorology. And I would go down to the station every year from third grade through 12th grade. And at that time, again, being in the backyard of Cleveland, Ohio, in the Cleveland Orchestra, and meeting Cloyd Duff and actually having a couple lessons with Cloyd Duff, the tympanist of the Cleveland Orchestra, um, I was deciding between weather or, or meteorology to go into. But yeah, that book is based on my childhood recollection of being totally scared of thunderstorms. Uh, Dick Goddard had a wry sense of humor, and maybe that's where I get it from, Mike, that you were talking about. You had no idea. (laughs) Um, I remember going to him and saying, you know, I finally made up my mind. I'm going to go into TV weather, TV meteorology, not music. How can I ever repay you? And he said, well, if you're lucky, some young man or some young lady will 
call you up five minutes before you have to go on the air and ask you a question. And he stopped. <laughs> and he looked at me. And it took mm-hmm. me about three seconds to realize, did I do that to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, all I want you to do is pay it forward. And so in my career, uh-huh. I've been blessed to have about 44 ex-interns who are now gamefully employed in this business currently from all awesome. over the United States. Smallest market being uh, North Platte, Nebraska. Biggest market being New York City. And uh, yeah. it's, it's been fun to see them grow and develop. And what's weird is now they're in Kansas City and they're competing against me. Fox, <laughs> Fo- <laughs> Fox 4's Joe Laurie and I were college roommates. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So when Josie and I have a dinner together, people say, okay, wait a minute. Are you going to nine? No. Are you going to four? No, we're just friends. Erin Little <laughs> was one of mine. Now she's at five. Brett Anthony is one of my protégés. He's at five. You know, um, Gary Frank, who does weekends at four, one of my protégés. So, yeah, all of a sudden, it's like being an NFL head coach and you know that the guy on the other side has your playbook and knows exactly what you're thinking. So that's been kind of weird. But it's been kind of fun to watch them grow and develop. That's so cool. And, you know, you mentioned Dick Goddard. I grew up near Cleveland as well. I grew up in North Canton, Ohio and Erie, Pennsylvania. So my whole life before I moved to Kentucky and then eventually Kansas City, I grew up in the Cleveland area. I remember Dick Goddard. I watched him all the time. And he was definitely a a great meteorologist and someone very inspiring. And he did so much for the community of Cleveland too, just like you do for Kansas City. So it's cool to see that lineage, like you said, like a head coach passed on to other people. So I know that you are in continue to inspire young people right now, Brian. Thank you. So uh, along the topics of the NFL, I'm kind of curious. If you notice, uh, because I'm from Cleveland area, I'm wearing my Cleveland Browns shirt today. Yes. Uh, Are you a Browns fan or a Chiefs fan or both? Wow. Loaded question. Toughest question of the day, Brian. Why do I feel like a politician all of a sudden? Yep. Uh, (laughs) You better answer this one carefully. I think people in Kansas City and Cleveland are listening. I think so. (laughs) Okay. Well, since I have not lived in Cleveland since I was in my high school years, I haven't really followed them as closely as I have Mm -hmm. uh, since I've been here 35 years. Um, And Patrick Mahomes, who I've not met yet, is just phenomenal i mean everything he, is. he touches is 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 gold and uh, when we recorded this was it two nights ago that he the come from behind victory mm-hmm. against the chargers and you know i was watching at home and i'm thinking oh my god he's just not in his rhythm he's not in his rhythm first half and then all of a sudden you know boom and yep. we won it um and of course we can't forget three attempts all through the uprights right boy yeah so anyway Harrison that Bucker, was that was amazing <laughs> Great. So I am a Chiefs fan for sure because I've been here for so long. But nostalgically speaking, I remember the Browns. I remember the Cleveland Browns. So I'm a back fan when they were Browns. actually good. I have a yeah. question. Do you remember the Browns winning? They used to win. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, long before the dog pound, we used to win. Yeah. Well, Brian, just to be clear, I am wearing a brown shirt, but underneath, I am wearing my Kansas City there you go Super Bowl champion shirt too because I am also a fan of both. Uh, if you are a Cleveland Browns fan, you kind of naturally by default have to root for another team too, so that you have a chance at happiness in life. <laughs> so actually at the time that we're recording this, the Browns are one in one, uh, which is usually better start to the season than the normal time. So sure. uh, I'm thinking by the time this episode gets released in a couple of weeks, the Browns are probably going to be two and two. They play Washington and Dallas. 
Chiefs, I'm going to predict are going to be three and one. I think (gasps) they're going to lose next week on Monday Night Football to the Baltimore Ravens. I think. Jason. And I love the Chiefs, but the Ravens are really good. We'll find out what happens. Let's see if I'm right. Three and one, two and two. You know something weird about uh, the Ravens? If you remember, Art Modell was the owner of the Cleveland Browns and moved the Browns to Baltimore. And the year they won on paper was the roster of the Cleveland Browns. So if he would have stayed in Cleveland, yep. we would have been Super Bowl champs in Cleveland. We would have been. Would have been. Would have, could have, should have. I yeah, know. Well, sad. Okay. It's sad. Well, you know, football teams change over time. And just as it's hard to imagine that the Cleveland Browns were ever good. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. It's, <laughs> it's sometimes... It's hard to, you know, get perspective on how climate evolves as well. And since you're a meteorologist, Mm -hmm. uh, we're just, you know, curious what your thoughts are about climate change. Uh, You know, for any of our viewers out there who are a little unsure or don't know, you know, what the science is behind it or don't get a chance to talk to a scientist every day, we at Beethoven Walks Into a Bar have brought in an actual scientific trained, learned expert to talk about the climate. Okay. Well, first of all, um, I love analogies. Meteorology is the climatology as reporter is to historian. Here's what I mean. A reporter had to record what he witnessed on November 22nd, 1963 in Dealey Plaza with John Fitzgerald Kennedy. A historian can go back with no deadline and look at so much information and come up with a different conclusion. Hmm. A climatologist is more worried about epoch to epoch as opposed to me worried about minutia over one city day to day. So although I took climatology in school and although I am a trained meteorologist, I know enough to be dangerous. And here's what <laughs> I will say. I think it is arrogant to say you have it all figured out, Mr. Vice President. Just like I think it is irresponsible to say it doesn't exist because you don't invest in a company that can profit from it. Once you get the lobby money out from both sides, we'll get to the truth. Something is going on. I remember an analogy, speaking of analogies, that uh, I read in a book in high school that said, if Earth were the size of an apple, by scale, the atmosphere would only be as thick as its skin. Hmm. Let that percolate for a while. When it looks like the sky goes forever and ever into the heavens, it's really not that thick by scale. And to say that it's all man-made, no. I don't think it's all man-made, but I certainly think that we are doing things that are speeding uh, the process up. I mean, just think of it in some very simple terms. If you're baking chocolate chip cookies, and you know the recipe for chocolate chip cookies, and those are the ingredients that go into a delicious chocolate chip cookies— if you add another foul ingredient, like Tabasco sauce, hmm. won't that affect the overall outcome of that dozen cookies that you're picking? Sure will. Then for us to say that we as human beings are not doing anything to affect adversely what's happening to our weather and eventually to our climate, I think is, is unfounded. I think we're doing things, and I think things are happening. Uh, so we do have to pay attention to it. Hmm. Well said. So, Brian, as you know, uh, here on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar, we always like to ask our guests two important questions. Okay. Um, And I'm going to tie these together because we know that Beethoven wrote some incredible timpani parts, especially in his symphonies. 
So I want to ask you, uh, first, what is your favorite drink? So if you were going to go into a bar and have a drink, what is that that drink that you would order? And then if you were having that drink with Beethoven, what would you ask him hmm. just having a casual drink with, with Beethoven? Okay. Uh, the drink of choice is vanilla vodka and Diet Coke. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. Mm. Yes, it is. Um, and, you know, the first one goes down very smooth, and you're very intellectual when you're talking, boy, this is great. This is quite interesting. The second one's going down, it goes out a little bit of butter. <laughs> and the third one makes you go, hey, 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 I, lo- I love you. you, you I lo- you're great. Uh, I just, uh, yeah. Anyway, what would I ask Beethoven? Um... You know, I would just like to pick his brain. First of all, you know he's one of my favorite composers. And, you know, I have a copy of a lift from his original Life Mask in one of my rooms in the house. I do. I actually found that email recently with the the pictures you sent. And so that indirectly touched him. And I do feel a little bit of an aura or a vibe every time I'm Mm. next to that. I would just like to write or just to talk to him about, okay, you were totally deaf when you wrote some of the most beautiful, amazing pieces. I would like to talk to him about two excerpts in particular. Mm. The first one would be the fugue in Beethoven's Ninth, mm-hmm. after the, the march mm-hmm. with the tenor, which starts, if I'm not mistaken, B-flat major? I think I don't so. Know. I'm testing, I don't remember. I'm testing Jason. I'm looking at him. I nope. think it starts, I could go get my score, but I don't remember. <laughs> I think it starts in B flat major, but it ends with. I think you're right. It doesn't go through the circle of fives, the circle of fifths rather. It and it ends up with F sharp major. Da 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 da. Now, how do you get from B flat major to F sharp major? <laughs> that is you're Beethoven. That's how. Exactly. That's how. <laughs> and it, and it is amazing music. I can listen to that two and a half minutes over and over and over again, and it's just incredible. And depending mm. on whether you hear. Uh, George Zell's tempo or Zubin Mehta's tempo, <laughs> Zubin is like, whoa, I'm gonna, uh, I gotta get right to the finale. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it's just amazing writing. And the other two and a half minutes, I could listen to over and over and over again, and I do, and I have about 15 different versions of it, is Beethoven's seventh, second movement. Mm. Oh, the ostinato. Oh my yeah. gosh. It starts off on one note, and he just builds this thing. I just would love to just pick his brain to say, how do you do this? <laughs> how do you sit in front of a piece? Because it's not like Mozart, where he's taking dictation, you know. He's, yeah. It's trial and error with him. But he, when he, the finished product is just amazing, just phenomenal. Could not agree more. And that's why he's Beethoven. True. And we've only had one Beethoven, because his mind just worked in a completely different way than any of ours. It's pretty amazing. And I don't know if you've ever been to Boston Symphony Orchestra's Hall. Yep. Over their stage, the one composer they have up there by name is Beethoven. And for good reason. Mm -hmm. For good reason. Well, Brian, this has been a lot of fun talking with you today, but uh, I thought it would also be fun to play a little game with you and Mike and Stephanie. We're going to test. This is a trivia quiz. It's going to have eight questions. And so you guys are going to need a, a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper. We're going to test your knowledge about music and weather in oh, this no. quiz. I'm going to give you a person's name okay. for each of these eight questions. And you're going to tell me if the name is in the title of a rock or pop song, if it is the name of a 2020, 2020 Atlantic 
hurricane or tropical storm. Oh, dear. <laughs> both of those things, both a name of a tropical storm and in a song title or neither. Okay. Like a popular okay, four song choices. title, a classical a song title, or a popular popular song. So okay. a rock or pop song. Okay. okay. Wow. So oh, it's dear. either in a song, in the title of a song, not just in the lyrics, but in the title of a song, the name of a hurricane or tropical storm this year, twenty twenty, both or neither. And I'll okay. give you a hint. Mm-hmm. Out of these eight, there's at least one example of each. Okay. So you guys are going to write down your answers. I'm going to give you the name. You're going to write down your answer quickly. I'm going to give you about five to 10 seconds to think about each one, and then we're going to see how you did. We're going to score you at the end. Okay. Here we go. One, I have one more question. Yeah. I'm, I follow rules. I, I really like rules. I want to make sure I understand. Yep. Does the, uh, do we have to know the, the title of the song, or can we just say no. yes or no? Okay. Yes or no, yes, okay. it's in a song, title song, title of a song, or yes, it's a do we hurricane get, or neither. Do we get bonus points if we can give you the title of the song? No. Okay. There are no bonus points in this trivia quiz. I'm just I'm trying to find teacher. my edge. Okay. Wow. All right, here we go. Wow. Number one. Number one, mm-hmm. Daniel. Daniel. Think about that for a moment. Daniel. Is it a song title? Is it in a song title? Is it a hurricane or a tropical storm this year? Both or neither. Okay. Daniel. I just realized I don't know how to spell hurricane. Oh, boy. Oh, dear. <laughs> You're not going to do well in this quiz. <laughs> okay, number two, Bertha. <gasps> Bertha. Okay. We have okay. Daniel. Now we have Bertha. Right. Okay. Number three, Vicky with a Y. V-I-C-K-Y, Vicky. I just saw Brian nod his head, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> She's oh, trying oh, to pick oh. up hints. Got it. Okay. Oh, Vicky, you're so fine. You're so fine, man, That's Vicky. No kidding. Um, well, that's interesting <laughs> that you said that, Brian, because number four is Mickey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Three was Vicky. Four is Mickey. Okay. We know it's at least a song. Sorry. Unless Brian's just well making up done. stuff. <laughs> All right. Number five, Josephine. Oh. Josephine. Ooh. Mm. That's a tough one. Josephine's tough. Okay. Number six, Alejandro. Alejandro. Mike's nailing it, I can tell. I feel like he's, I'm failing a class badly right now. He's confidently nailing. This is like when you don't study at all for the test and you just show up in the morning. This this is like my sophomore oral skills class. <laughs> I'm realizing that I probably should have done like the classic like standardized test, just go with B all the way down. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, number six was Alejandro. Number seven is Enrico. 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 Wow. Remember, there's at least one of each. Yeah. So if you haven't used one of the four options, you might want to start thinking about using it with these last two. So hey, number listen, seven is Enrico. If these guys haven't paid attention to the rules, don't help them out now. Okay. All right. Wow. No question. Stephanie also, really wants to win today. <laughs> I, I guess, never will win. You also repeat these. Will you repeat these for me too? Uh, I can. If you want to hear one repeated, I'll do that. Just like the teacher does in the class. Okay. Uh, if you just say, "Can I hear number yeah. five again?" All right. And last, last but not least, number eight, Valerie. Valerie. Would you like to hear any of them repeated? I'd like to hear them all repeated. <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> 
Well, we don't have time for that today, Brian, but I'll quickly, how about I do them quickly? Number one, Mm -hmm. Daniel. Mm -hmm. Two, Bertha. Mm -hmm. Three, Vicky. Mm -hmm. Four, Mickey. Mm -hmm. Five, Josephine. Six, Alejandro. Seven, Enrico. And eight, Valerie. All right, we're going to see how you did. We um, oh, I'm wow. gonna rip. We're gonna start with number one, Daniel. What'd you say, Stephanie? I said it was a hurricane. Okay, Mike. I, I said storm. Yes, hurricane. Okay, Brian. I said rock because I thought that the D name was Dolly this year. Well, it was not a tropical storm. I think you're right, Brian. You would know better than all the rest of us what the D hurricane was or tropical storm this year. Daniel is a song by Elton John. It's a pretty popular song from his 1973 album, Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player. Yep. All right. So So it is only a song. Brian gets a point for that one. All right. All right. Moving on. Number two, Bertha. What'd you say, Stephanie? Song. Okay. Mike? Storm. Storm. Brian? Storm. It is both. Bertha was a tropical storm in late May that weakened over South Carolina. It's also a Grateful Dead song, and that's the exact title, actually, Bertha, from their 1971 album, Grateful Mm -hmm. Dead. Look it up. Mm -hmm. So do I get half a point? No points. No points. No one got anything for that. You don't get partial credit here. Nope. It's it's all or nothing. Number three, Vicky. Stephanie, what'd you say? Hurricane. Okay, Mike? I said song. Brian? Hurricane. Stephanie and Brian are correct. It was a tropical storm that sputtered out over the Atlantic in August. Never made landfall, I believe. You did well. Brian can. Is that an official weather term, sputtered out? It is now. (laughs) It is now. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right, moving on. Mickey. Stephanie, what'd you say? Wait, which number is this? Number four. four. Number four. Mickey. Uh, Mickey song. Okay, Mike. I said song and storm. Both. Okay, Brian. Just a song. It is just a song mm. by Tony Basil. By Basil, Basil. We all know it well. We roller skated to it when we were kids. Mm-hmm. 1981, word of mouth is the album. All right. Wow. So how are we doing so far on points? How many do you have, uh, Stephanie? Brian okay. has three and I have two and Mike has I have zero. I have <laughs> oh boy, Mike! I'm gonna get you some better. Uh, you better catch up here. Here we go. It's gonna be great. Hopefully, you did well with the last four. All right, number five, Josephine. What'd you say, Mike? Uh, I said storm. Okay, Stephanie. I said neither. Okay, Brian. Josephine was a storm this year. Aww. I said storm. You're all wrong. It's both. Is it? Oh, oh yes. God. It was a tropical storm in August, but it also, there's many songs actually with the word Josephine in the title. Really? The most popular is just called Josephine. It's by Frank Turner in, from his 2015 album, Positive Songs for Negative People. What a great oh album my. title. Mm. And one of my favorite lyrics in it is, I could have been Napoleon, I could have been Beethoven. Uh-huh. To tie it all in oh, to fancy. our show here. Uh-huh. Look at that. I'm impressed. There are also several songs about Josephine Baker, the the famous French dancer and Mm -hmm. singer from the 1920s. All right, moving on. Number six, Alejandro. Mike, what'd you say? Song. Okay. Stephanie? Uh, I also said song. Okay. Brian? I said neither. 
It is a song oh. by Lady Gaga Lady from her Gaga. 2008 album, The Fame. Really? So Mike and Stephanie get a point for that one. Oh, that means, on that means Stephanie and Brian are tied. Are you serious? Oh, boy, this is getting exciting now. Well, and Michael's I, on the board. I Mike just, is I mean, on the board. You know. I want to be clear <laughs> that I am actually keeping score, so if no one else is keeping score, that might be a good idea. <laughs> I thought we were going to do like like where you grade your own Tim quiz. Tim is scoring, too, our, our fabulous oh, Tim is scoring. We're good. engineer okay. and producer, Tim. All right, we have two left. Number seven, Enrico. What'd you say, Mike? Uh, I said Number neither. Seven. Neither. Okay, Stephanie? I also said neither. Brian? I said neither. All three of you are correct. Woo! It is neither. Look at that. Well done. Okay. And last but not least, number eight, Valerie. What'd you say, Mike? I also said neither. Okay. Stephanie? I said both. Both. Interesting. Brian? I said song. Brian Busby is correct. Oh! It's only a song. Wow. Steve Winwood. Valerie. You remember this song oh, from 1982, oh, Talking Back. I don't remember it. Will you night. sing some more of it? I don't remember that. Can I you won't, sing a little but I, I, we're going we're to have Tim put in a little clip from it <laughs> so that we actually hear the real version of the song. How about that? All right, so let's uh, let's do our point totals. In third place oh. with two points, Mike. Congratulations, Mike. And I love them both the same. In second place, <laughs> in second place with four points, she is the queen of second place, Stephanie Brimhall. <sighs> well done. Well done. All right. And last but not least, our winner for today with five out of the eight correct, our amazing guest, Mr. Brian Busby. Congratulations, Brian. Well done, Thank Brian. Well done, Brian. Appreciate good job. It. Well done. This well is done. fun. That was a good little quiz, huh? Yeah. No, the whole so, show has been fun. The whole concept. Oh, good. good. Oh, well, good. we have certainly enjoyed having you on today. You've been a wonderful guest. I've learned a lot about various weather things and also about how weather relates to music. And it's just been an awesome conversation. We really appreciate you being on the show. And most importantly, how Brian can burp on command and uh. like Stoli Vanilla invite in Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, save something for the next time you come on the show. There you go. <laughs> so, Brian, before we let you go, sure. uh, you did win. You did win the game. And normally, when we have a game on Beethoven walks into a bar, we let the winner give some recommended listening for our listeners. Do you have anything you've been listening to lately that you would recommend to our podcast listeners? Uh, well, yes. I mean, how many? Two, three, one. What? Yeah, sure. one, two, three, whatever. Okay, the three I listen to, uh, let's see. First of all, throwback to my hometown orchestra, George Zell, Cleveland Orchestra, the Italian Symphony Mendelssohn. And uh, anybody who knows that piece, it's tough on the strings, and the tempo that Mr. Zell chose is just incredible, but they are so together. <laughs> um, Band of Brothers a while back was on cable, and it used a uh, movement from Beethoven's Opus 131 String Quartet is like a minute, minute and a half, intermittent movement before the finale. Just incredible writing. And the third one would be the Verdi Requiem, London Symphony Orchestra, Richard Hickox. Just amazing piece of music, and that's such a powerful sound, and I love playing the bass drum on that one. Oh, yeah. That's a great... And the DACRA, that's like mm -hmm. the greatest bass drum part ever written. Yeah. Those are great recommendations. Thanks, Brian. You're welcome. We will put links to those in the show notes so our listeners can check those out and uh, we'll, we'll learn a little bit about what you've been listening to. So thanks for sharing that. And thanks for being here today, Brian. It's awesome chatting with you. Always fun 
interacting with you guys. And uh, yes, I look forward to seeing you from the stage as well as from a seat when we can do that safely again. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. So this year, orchestras across the world have been celebrating what would have been the 100th birthday of legendary violinist Isaac Stern. Back in January, we were fortunate to have an extraordinary violinist perform with the Kansas City Symphony, Nancy Zhou. Nancy was the first prize winner in the 2018 Shanghai Isaac Stern International Violin Competition, and she performed the Mendelssohn Concerto with guest conductor Peter Ungen and this Kansas City Symphony. So join us next week as we talk with Nancy all about her career, how she's spending her time during COVID-19, and Isaac Stern. All that and more next time on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. 